Today on the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast, we are discussing a topic from Patreon. Longtime patron Nathaniel Muzzy asks us to discuss misopportunities in the MCU. Ooh, that's that's a that's a dark topic. I like it. Where are we villains now? We uh, we will be. All that right after this darkest timeline. <laughs> Welcome to the Marvel Cinematic Universe Podcast. My name's Matthew Carroll. And I'm Jeff Randall. Jeff, what's up, buddy? Uh, this five-star review is what's up, sir. Yeah, give us that five-star review. Electrical Ash says, love this podcast. What is amazing about this cast is it's about the cinematic universe. It's for people who are fans of the movies and the comics. But as we all know, the MCU does not strictly follow comic canon. It says it in the title, so you can enjoy knowing everything about the comics or nothing about them and learn. They care about the listeners and are extremely interactive. They have female guests and love reading their feedback so others can get in on the conversation. Oh, well, thank you so much for writing in. Thank you for the feedback and thank you for the, uh, for the five-star review. We appreciate all you guys. Um, seriously, I, uh, you guys have been stepping up with the five-star reviews every week. Somebody's dropping one or two or three, and it's really great. It's really helping us out, helping the show grow, especially in this long drought of content. So oh, thanks, guys. Such drought. Yes, yes, yes. Um, well, today we're talking about missed opportunities in the MCU. Uh, Nathaniel Muzzy, uh, one of our longest-time patrons uh, over on Patreon. Uh, I think this is his second or third uh, commissioned episode even because um, we try to get to at least one a year for each pay- each $3 patron or whatever um, so that's rad so thank you uh, Nathaniel um, and uh, yeah we're going to get to that in a minute but let, first off let's just talk about what's going on kind of in the news there's not really any news right um, yeah we put news in, in quotation marks yeah now. like we, we've been breaking them out into two separate episodes lately because we've had so much uh, a lot to talk about but this week we're doing the old thing where we used to do we're kind of doing it all at once um because there's not much uh but one of my favorite things going on kind of lighting the internet on fire this week was all the in-game reaction videos oh yes oh man this is my new favorite genre of thing <laughs> <laughs> man when uh, when Infinity War came out and there were all the reactions around that, I repeatedly uh, I, I went looking for videos of when Thor comes down, you know, riding the lightning yes, down into Wakanda, yes. and he says, "Bring me Thanos!" and like ah, that that feeling when you see Thor do that and and yell that line and crash against the ground, sending the lightning out, killing just a ton of the Outriders, like, and hearing everybody cheering on the video. It's so great. And apparently the internet has done it again with Endgame, mm-hmm. with all the heroes showing up. We've got a ton of reaction videos that are just circling all over the place. So yeah, if you haven't seen these, these are videos taken on opening night uh, in most cases, and illegal videos. Is, oh, they're very illegal. Uh, but they're <laughs> opening night videos of people's different audiences watching the final battle in Endgame, and man, uh, the, the, they're just so much fun. They like they give me chills every time. Yep. Every time, it's just they have a, some of them are when the hammers picked up. Uh, cool. And, and that's a good one. Hammer. That's a really good one. Some of them are when uh, when you hear that on your left. I just I. I get choked up every time I hear on your left. It's just yep. Captain America has been doing the right thing for like a hundred years. And he's just like trying to stand up. He's trying to stand firm, you know, uh, like Peggy taught him and like, 
Uh, he's standing there all alone, and then all of a sudden, on your left, and the entire universe comes to join the fight. Ah, so good. Ugh. Such a great moment. <laughs> there was a uh, there was a question in the MCU cast chat uh, where you know we could rank our uh, asking if we could rank our, our favorite Rancor? heroes. That's the wrong universe. <laughs> oh no, sorry. <laughs> rank all of our <laughs> favorite heroes, uh, and I I posted a picture from the final battle. I was like, here's my number one hero. It's just everybody. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. <laughs> You can't so pick your good. favorite kids. No, Come on. No, they're so good. Uh, yeah. So check out these videos, guys. They're a lot of fun. If you haven't yet, I, I just want to shout that out. It's it's no, not really news. It's just what's going on on the internet, what's lighting the internet on fire. And I'm, man, uh, I am I am down. I'm here for it. Um, and uh, uh, 100%. On the opposite end of that spectrum. <laughs> really uh, sad stuff. Really sad stuff. It's not official yet. But they're they're uh, San Diego Comic Con sounds like they're going to make an announcement soon about uh, how COVID nineteen is going to affect their plans, and if it's like any of the other cons I've heard, a lot of the cons have been canceled. Um, we had tickets to one that is already canceled, um, and uh, I, I, it's just a real bummer. I, and it, I just it's hard because not as San Diego Comic Con says on their page they talk about the vendors and how so many vendors it's an important part of their year an important part of their uh financial year uh but also like from a fan perspective it's a really important part like all these cons are a big important part of us connecting as fans um it's something i've only been a few to a few but they're they've all been really meaningful to me and just to be in that place and especially for people that don't have as much connection in the world there's a lot of people that really rely on these things and uh it's a really sad thing to see that that might be getting canceled because of COVID-19. It hasn't been announced yet though. No, uh, SD, no. SDCC's chief communications and strategy officer David Glanzer uh, said that we understand that many stakeholders rely upon our conventions as a major portion of their yearly income and livelihood, but we are truly in uncharted territory. We do not want to disappoint the people who have saved, planned, and are looking forward to the show this summer. But the primary concern, what is chief among all our concerns, is the health and safety of not only our attendees, but the public as well. Mm. I mean, this is a sea of people. You, It's really, like, it's it would be nigh impossible to practice any kind of real social distancing at Comic-Con. Yeah, it's true. I mean, I could understand if they had to cancel it. Yeah. But that hasn't happened yet, and we're going to hope that the world just gets right back on track. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I yeah, I'm, I'm not uh, for sure. I, we don't know that it's canceled yet. I just know that others have been canceled and even the ones yeah. that have been canceled, it's still just such a huge bummer to miss out on these, uh, you know, opportunities to commune with our people. Yeah. We need to do a, a go-to webinar or something like that to, uh, kind of hold our own online conventions. Right. Yeah. 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 For sure, like we can it, do that's that. <laughs> not a bad idea, and it it could be really cool to do something like that. We could have online panels, and we could do maybe, maybe <laughs> we should do Stranded PandaCon. Um, yeah, Stranded PandaCon, all virtual. Yeah, that could be fun. Maybe one <laughs> maybe one day take it in the real world. Um, no, yeah, I I, uh, I I it makes me sad, and I'm not even sure. I had one plan to go that is already canceled, and I, there, there were two others that I was thinking about going to, and I you know. It's very un. Even even if they aren't even if they aren't canceled, I probably can't go because we have people in our lives that are really immunocompromised, and we're trying our best to stay healthy. Um, 
Yeah. And not just that, tough. but like there there are so many people that that save for it who may or may not be out of work or Oh yeah. Uh, that's a good point. You know, it's it, it's a it's a big expense to go to one of these cons, especially if you're like me and want to you know make a, a huge costume, um, as we may have seen in the mm-hmm. MCU cast chat this week. Yeah, um, but which, if you, which it was a song forthcoming. Uh, Kate, Katie, <laughs> Katie Rose Button, uh, I believe is her name on yep. uh, on on our Facebook MCU cast chat. We were talking about uh, Jeff's nickname as Steampunk Douchebag. And uh, she requested a teenage dirtbag parody uh, called Steampunk Douchebag. And so I have written it, and I am endeavoring to put it at the end of this podcast. Uh, it, I, that means I've got to record it today <laughs> while I edit this and get it up. But I think I can get it done. So uh, l- be listening for that at the end of the podcast. Steampunk Douchebag <laughs> coming to a podcast near you and eventually Spotify and stuff. <laughs> because... Watch watch this be the thing. Watch this this song written to our listeners about me from my perspective. Yeah. Sung by you. <laughs> watch this be the thing that sets you, like your your career in motion on yeah. the internet. Yeah, probably so. Probably so. That's such this a, is your break. That's such a steampunk douchebag thing to th- think, Jeff. Yeah, man. <laughs> You're really embracing. It really is. You're really embracing the caricature. You're like, you know, maybe you'll finally break on the internet now that you're writing about a good subject matter that's right. worth writing about. Me, a muse, if you will. <laughs> yep, you're my muse. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you, Katie Rose Button, for the idea because I was driving and I was like, I was actually planning on writing a different song, and and I was I was driving, and then she gave me that idea, and I was like, I could do that instead. That uh, there's, no, there's no research involved there. There's no th- really much thinking. I can write a song about Jeff, <laughs> especially making fun of him <laughs> in a loving, loving way. Yeah, yeah. I will take you know it. However, I can inspire you, Matt. <laughs> I am here for it. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, that'll be at the end of the podcast, and uh, it, it'll also be on SoundCloud and stuff. And I'll try to make a little video or something. Um, so it actually, yeah, the video and where you can see it, it'll be at the end of the podcast, but if you really want to see the video with his costume and everything in it, you can go to, um, the stranded Panda network on YouTube. Uh, just search for stranded Panda network. Um, because we don't have enough subscribers yet to get a, uh, a we use, can't say youtube.com slash stranded Panda. Not yet. yet. Uh, we need like 30 more people. So <laughs> youtube.com <laughs> search for stranded Panda and I'll have a video with the lyrics up and everything. So that's that I'm, I'm really that's, writing checks here by saying all that on so the cast and writing checks that I've got to, I've got to do a lot of work today, <laughs> but I'm excited about it. Way to pack your schedule. Yeah, I do. I pack my schedule so hard. It's, it's bad. Speaking of schedules, schedules. <laughs> so it's been passed around the internet recently that, uh, the Netflix heroes, the, the, the defenders, if you will, um, are returned, like the rights are returning to Disney, Marvel, whichever company you want to call it. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> I guess coming back to the MCU, quote unquote, because they're, I mean, they're kind of not canon, I guess. The, the quote unquote schedule has been kind of passed around on the internet, uh, showing when these rights would return to Marvel. Um, and, you know, we were, we were saying with Netflix, you know, the, you, they have to be out for two years and, oh, that's such a long time. And we were, we were complaining for so long about that being a thing. And then turns out it's actually not that long a time. 
Nope. Because uh, we're there. Daredevil. Yeah, we're kind of already there. Yeah, basically, uh, of, of the schedule, it looks like there's like four of the heroes come back in 2020 and two of them come back in 2021. Like, it is very soon. And, and especially with the COVID pushback, like, uh, basically by the time they get these next two movies out, we're going to have most of the Netflix heroes available for use in movies. And I'm really hopeful that they'll do that. I'm really, really hopeful that they'll do that in the form that they were created on Netflix. Cause I want those Netflix shows to remain part of the MCU. I, I do not want them breaking them out or trying to recast or anything like that. Yeah. I mean the, the, the actors that were in place were really, really good at mm-hmm. what they were doing. Uh, even iron fist, you know, maybe iron fist suffered from bad show running, but he was still a, a, pretty good actor at you know what he was trying to do yeah um i didn't love iron fist obviously um but i there, there's a lot for that show i loved colleen wing really loved colleen and yep there, there's enough good in the netflix marvel stuff that i'm willing to accept danny rand's continued existence <laughs> <laughs> wow wow you know that that's saying a lot that's saying how good those yeah. other shows were that i'm yeah. willing you know I'm, I'm pretty protective of my mcu like i'm often like oh i don't want the x-men movies brought in because even though they're they've got their good point there's like four good ones yeah i'd, I'd much rather them start over because they'd be bringing a lot of bs with them a whole lot of baggage yeah there's a lot of weird baggage with those x-men movies and if they just start over we get to keep that clear but the netflix yeah. stuff is good enough even with iron fist being so bad uh, the Netflix stuff is good enough that I am <laughs> I am willing I am willing the the good outweighs the bad like bring it on Inhumans forget about it throw it away but the uh, <laughs> yeah Scott bucked it up <laughs> yeah that's such a bummer I don't, I don't like talking really negatively about any one person I know you always like to bring up Scott Buck and I know he show ran the two worst thing Marvel's done so like I can't and he ran. Uh, Dexter into the ground. That's true. Man. That's yeah, such a bummer. It's bad. <laughs> that is such a bummer. Because I, I, I don't... I am not, not saying anything bad about him. He doesn't have full control. Even as showrunner, there's a lot of a lot of cooks in the kitchen when you're making a show. And That's true. who knows at what point it got derailed. But it, it he's, he's does not have a good track record. We can, we, right. I can say that, uh, that the shows that he has made thus far have not been very quality. <laughs> but Charlie Cox as as Matt Murdock and Daredevil would be phenomenal. Oh, and Jessica and, Jones and Luke Cage too, and Misty Knight and Colleen Wing and like like you said, even Danny Rand. As long as they treat Dan- the Danny Rand character like he should be treated, which is the way they talked about him in the you know season two, where he like, oh yeah, you're not really that good of a guy. Like you 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 were kind of out for your own thing. Like he just didn't get it. Yeah. In the first season. And so, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that that's kind of what it felt like is like the, the Danny Rand that I know uh, is a little bit older and more mature, but I didn't read like the, the older intro comics of Iron Fist. Like I've read uh, a lot of the newer stuff where he's been around for a while and kind of like has figured himself out yeah, uh, and figured out how to be that hero. So all of this is just kind of like, you know, Danny Rand year one stuff for me, but where, Danny Rand has shown the brightest um, has been in the Luke Cage series. 
So when they get together and interact in, in the, what, one episode that they had in season two of Luke Cage, uh, Danny Rand was phenomenal. Yeah. It's like, that's the Danny Rand that I know. That's, that's, where is this guy? Well, been? he's also, there's a lot less riding on him because he's just kind of, it's just fun that he's there. Like he's just being yeah. the fun guy who's a friend of Luke Cage and being someone for Luke Cage to sort of bounce ideas off of and bounce their characters against each other and see how they fit. When bounce he's fists off of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but when he's <laughs> there by himself and he's the, like, he's just really hard to root for the way they set up his character. And that's the, that's the, that's honestly the problem with all three of those Scott Buck shows you're talking about. It's really hard to root for the main characters. Um, and I mean, Dexter had a lot going against him from the beginning, from season one. He's a serial killer. He's a serial but killer. But somehow they still made it work. And as soon as Scott Buck got involved, like, I lost the thread on the character. I stopped caring about uh, Dexter even. And I really liked Dexter. I really, it was compelling television and somehow he was still a protagonist, even though he's a serial killer. And like, it's interesting. Um, and then at some point it's like, he stopped, stopped wanting to be a better man. I think that, that like it's, I've said it in a lot of different things we've talked about when you forget to have someone save the cat, you know, you forget to have them, uh, mm-hmm do something that makes me realize they're a good person. And in, in all of Dexter, he is like struggling spoilers for Dexter. I guess he's struggling (laughs) not to be an evil person, even though he has this drive to kill, he's struggling to make himself a weapon for good instead of evil. And in the last season or two, he like, instead it's kind of a love story and he kind of wants to be free of his life instead of, wanting to do good in the world. Like it's kind of the same problem that you have with iron fist where you just, I never get the sense that he wants to do good for other people until finally in season two, wanting to abdicate his, his power. Um, and then the same thing with inhumans, like I'm watching it and I'm rooting for the bad guy because the good guys never showed me why they should be in power. They actually (laughs) showed me over and over why they shouldn't be. Um, People without good powers just got thrown in the mines. What is that about? Like, (sighs) I would say that that might be a uh, pretty solid missed opportunity there. Yeah, I think that might be a missed opportunity, which brings us to today's topic of conversation. Nathaniel Muzzy wrote in, uh, I idea for a podcast, MCU biggest missed opportunities could be fun I would put not making Hela death slash tying her to Thanos and killing too many villains in this category. Those are two really good missed opportunities Nathaniel throws out there. I think Ragnarok has a number of missed opportunities, honestly. Oof. Okay. One of the main ones being that, uh, you know, you're, you got this lead up coming to Thanos. Everything else is leading to Thanos and then you don't tie that story. That's a great one. You know, I would almost say that that, that might uh, that might be better. It might be better that way rather than making her death. Because in the in the comics, he's a, a servant of death. He's trying to impress the embodiment of death, and he kills half of the universe just to try to impress her. Yeah, and it doesn't work because she's like, "Oh, you're too powerful. Uh, you you know you have to be my equal and not more powerful than me." Whatever. Like I I agree. It's it's sort of mustache twirly. Um, that death just wants to kill, but you could have made the character of death. The reason that he wants to do that, he could have like been a disciple of death, like someone who like wants to serve death because death 
is the great balance. You know what I mean? You could have that same sort of thing and have still tied that character into the story somehow, you know? Mm. Yeah, I think it just makes him a little bit more relatable when uh, when it's, you know, he wanted to save his people and they didn't listen well, and now yeah. he's just hell-bent on doing that. I'm not saying you take that out. I'm saying you you make her the inspiration. Like, maybe she was the one who whispered that in his ear eons ago. You know what I mean? Like, eh, maybe may, you could you could keep the whole thing, the entirety of Thanos, <laughs> but just add in the fact that like Hela is is the like mistress of death or whatever, and she's whispering in his ear. The solution to the problem is you have to have a calling. You know, like the great balance. Da, da, da. He could have all this, and it could like it could embody a little bit of his um, obsession with it and give us some more reasoning behind his obsession with it um, and give us some moments. Because I think there's we get it like he's trying to like it, it has sort of an ecological message to Thanos's plan. But like we don't really get Thanos. We get Thanos talking about it a very little bit. And I think with that a little bit of obsession, I, you know, I love what they did. So I'm not I'm not mad at it, but we're talking missed opportunities here. So. Yeah, we yeah. we can't try to defend everyone because every one of these is defensible by some measure, but but obviously we need to discuss them. Um, so this is it's gonna be this is gonna be hard because we're gonna come up with all these missed opportunities, and each of us is gonna want to defend our movie. Like like no, <laughs> like, no, Marvel's great. Stop it. <laughs> Stop. And we're both gonna be doing both things. This is gonna be rough. Yeah, yeah. This we're we're like running back and forth on the field here. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know which goal to defend. No, I don't either. <laughs> Um, you know, I would say though, it would be really funny, uh, to have, I say funny, it could, it could be emotional, you know, in some way, uh, for if, if, if Hella was like, you need to kill everybody or, you know, like you need to bring death. So many things in the universe bring life. What brings death? You go do it. And he like, instead of just going around killing people and leaving, he like, he starts to try to, he wants to find a way to make it like as easy as possible. Cause he's just really lazy. So he gets <laughs> all the infinity stones and he's just like, I got it. And then, <laughs> like, I'm gonna go ahead and kill half people. Now I'm going to wait a little bit. I'll do it again. Like, you know, it's, it's efficient this way. Right. And then she's like, no, not like this. <laughs> it's not supposed to be like this. I wanted violence in my death. Right? Like, you needed to slowly, over time, you know, do some work. Earn it. My God, you're so lazy. Get out there. Yeah. And, and that's the other thing. is like, maybe if Hela was trying to bring balance and he was a servant of Hela and then Thor, like, was to kill Hela, maybe that's what pushes him to the final push. You know, he's like, no, it's time. You know, she always wanted this. We were trying to achieve it, but I'm going to achieve it in her name. You know what I mean? Yeah, maybe could have been cool. Could have been cool. Oh, that that yeah, that could have been uh, that could have been the final push. Uh, anyway, I agree completely with Nathaniel. That's a that's a good missed opportunity, and also killing villains. Yes, uh, absolutely. That's a bit broad, though. It is. It is, and we'll probably talk about some specific ones here. <clears throat> ones pop to mind for sure. Um, I mean, Obadiah Stane. Who doesn't want him back? You know. Absolutely, that's the one that started it. They were they were just like every villain's got to die because it happened to Obadiah Stane. <laughs> I'm just teasing. Nobody really wants Obadiah Stane back. Although the great actor, uh, I just just uh, I don't think his character is that, that motive. I don't I don't care if he comes back. Let, so we yeah, we both no. brought five. I actually got 21 missed opportunities. <laughs> I kind of went overboard, and so we might do our five, and then I might have some honorable mentions here. 
Okay. If if they don't come up on your in your end. Um, well, you know, I, I wrote down or rather I came up with forty two, but I only wrote down five. Oh, okay, okay, gotcha. So you got double yeah. You you did double my my amount yeah, of work I'm, here. I mean if we're flexing over here. Well, well since since I have so many extras, why don't you go first? And I, I mine aren't in any particular order because you know I this is the thing. We love these movies. Let's just say that up top. Yeah, like we freaking full- love these movies. <laughs> But we're we were tasked with coming up with missed opportunities, and we're gonna do it yeah. for our patrons. We are, we are nothing if not very obedient. <laughs> <laughs> Your obedient so, servant, M. Yep. Carol ha- ha- okay. Hamilton reference. Anybody? Okay, no, just you, just me. Literally nobody who was listening. <laughs> anyway, somebody out there. <laughs> somebody probably got it. It, actually, it was probably everybody but me that got it. <laughs> okay, what you got? What's your first uh, my, opportunity? My first one is, I mean, it's kind of a big one. Um, in the, uh, this, is, this is less uh, story missed opportunity and more, um, more, more people focused. Because apparently when Age of Ultron happened, they worked Joss Whedon to death. Mm-hmm. To the point to where he was just like, I'm done with everything. Fuck all of this. And he he didn't want to come back for anything. And I think that with that, because of, of that, there was a big tonal shift uh, from Age of Ultron into Infinity War and, you know, Civil War. Um, all of the, Everything after that was, uh, it was so much more serious. Like, there were still quips, there was still, you know, fun writing, but working Joss Whedon to death changed the tone of the MCU. Hmm. It's, it's hard for me to say that. I, I, that was actually on my list. It, losing Joss Whedon was on my list. Um, really? Yeah. But I don't think because of the shift in tone, because I think those tones for what, where, what they, the, the tone they found with Winter Soldier and moving, moving forward through, um, uh, Civil War and and Infinity War and Endgame is a great tone. I, I really love it. Uh, but I also love what Joss Whedon did. And I think that tone was shift was needed. But I do think that keeping Joss Whedon around as a collaborator for Phase 4, Phase 5, Phase 6 would have been great. They could have brought him back every, you know, to do something in every phase, even if it wasn't an Avengers movie. They could have done some smaller movies and... I love what Joss Whedon did, including Ultron. I think Ultron is a great movie. I, I think there was some issues, and clearly he thought there were some issues. Um, but man, Ultron is great. It's great. <laughs> it's really, really <laughs> wonderful. And people that like, I, I think you had. It's really hard to top that first Avengers and bring something new to the table. Um, yeah, especially with a middle story like that. Uh, you know where you. you it's not like he's ending something in, in infinity war and in game are interesting. Cause they did these huge things, you know? And I feel like Ultron gets points off because it doesn't really do anything huge, you know? And Avengers yeah. movies are supposed to do something huge. And the, the first one brings the team together. The last, the infinity war kills half the universe and in game really brings the team together with that final fight scene. You know, like that's, those are things you just can't, 
do more, more than one time. You know what I mean? They're the, they're the time you're going to do those things. It's, it's, it's amazing storytelling. Ultron just kind of carries the torch yeah. forward a little bit. Yeah. And doesn't really do a big thing. Brings in some new characters, which is important. There's a lot of things they do that are great in Ultron, but I almost feel like that should have been Iron Man 4 or something, you know? Like, it's just <laughs> Iron Man 4 Age of Ultron, you know? And it would have been a better uh, a better fit because it didn't set itself apart the way that most uh, the Avengers movies have. Oh, man, that's a missed opportunity if we're, if like, if I'm, I just came up, with one in my head of like, we could have had the story of, of Tony trying to build uh, the Ultron army or just building Ultron in Iron Man three and have that actually be, you know, a thing that he was truly working on that we, that we see him working on rather than it just coming up in, in age of Ultron of like, Hey, you know, that Ultron thing we've been working on Bruce, yeah you know, we could make it a real thing. It's like, Oh, Oh, have you, have you been working on that? Where does that come from? Yeah. It's hard to, I, I agree with you that that's a wonder that would be a wonderful connection to draw. Um, it's hard to do that though, because obviously they don't always know what movie there's coming next. And, and then sometimes they don't know exactly what they're going to do. So some of this stuff, so it's hard to be Monday morning quarterback and be like, why didn't you tie everything to everything else? But I, yeah. I agree. It is a missed opportunity for sure. Um, my, I'll go with my one that is very similar to yours here with losing Joss Whedon and losing that tone. Edgar Wright's Ant-Man. You know, I knew that you were going to throw that one on. Yeah, huge missed opportunity because Ant-Man's great. I enjoy it, but it is not as good as any Edgar Wright movie I've ever seen. Okay. Every, I mean, that's every Edgar Wright statement. movie. Yeah, it is, <laughs> but I, I, I stand by it. It's not really that bold. Every Edgar Wright movie is better than Ant-Man. And Woof. if it, it's just true, what you, okay. you know, uh, Baby Driver is probably the closest uh, but the other the other Edgar Wright movies to me are just like absolute cinema gold, and Baby Driver is too. Baby Driver is great. Uh, it's not as funny, uh, but I think that A- Edgar Wright on Ant Man would have been just absolutely amazing. It would have taken it to the next level, and it, it's a bummer because Joss Whedon and Edgar Wright are two of my favorite creators, uh, yep. and they both. Uh, could not function inside the Marvel machine. Now they're still making great movies over there, but I, Ant-Man is one of my least favorite Marvel movies and I still like it, but it's still on the bottom, bottom half for sure. And I think it would be on the top if they had given it to, um, to, to Edgar Wright. And I, this is one of my honorable mentions. It's not on my top five, uh, missed opportunities, but letting James James Gunn go make Suicide Squad two. That's more of a business problem than anything else because he is he's coming <laughs> back for Guardians of the Galaxy three, which I'm very excited about. But it's another yep. problem with like James Gunn's another one of my favorite creators, and they couldn't hold on to him there for a minute. Um, hopefully, they figured out how to do that. Maybe with the new corporate structure they've got with Kevin Feige being in, in charge, maybe that's helping. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what. Uh, what drove Whedon, Wright, and um, Gunn away? It's it's different. Well, I know I know what drove Gunn away. Actually, yeah, I was like they fired him. We talked. We, about talk, it. we definitely talked about the gun stuff. But <laughs> the other the other ones, it's all kind of behind the scenes. Like we, they just creative differences. And um, yeah, James, you know, I want, I wish all three of those creators could have played in the sandbox longer. Um, but 
we get we got what we got and, and it's not bad i love ant-man and i'm really glad we're getting guardians of the galaxy 3 but from a, like a business perspective missed opportunity and this is not one of my five but like james gunn leaving and making suicide squad 2 suicide squad 2 is going to be great i have no doubt in my mind that is going to be a great movie especially james gunn has posted it's one of the best it's like his favorite thing he's ever made um now that may just be a a, a, a artifact of the newest thing you make is always your favorite thing but like if james <laughs> yeah. gunn loves what he's doing it's probably going to be really really good and uh they they gave they gave in the marvel versus dc wars which i know i know every they're they're both they both have their strengths and weaknesses and they're both good uh whatever but like if, if you you know if in that in that war they just lost a huge peace in that war by letting uh james gunn go make a dc movie instead of holding on to him for stupid reasons uh for letting him go for stupid reasons yeah yeah i i could see that i could see that what's your next missed opportunity well i mean speaking of guardians of the galaxy right yeah like who's a bigger guardian of the galaxy in the comics than the nova Corps? and i think that sidelining the nova Corps into uh just kind of a, a plucky police force that really just kind of didn't do anything and then eventually just got demolished off screen even was a huge missed opportunity. Yeah. I get I because I mean Richard Ryder, Sam Alexander, you know, there are several Nova characters or several characters in the Nova Corps that have been big in comics and are are kind of a big deal. I've got a poster behind me that has Nova on it. Like as as part of like it's got Ghost Rider, it's got several X Men, it's got several Avengers, and right there in the center is Nova. Like he's a big deal. So having the Nova Core just kind of show up briefly in Guardians One and then just be like, ah, yeah, we don't care about them anymore. Like that. Why would you do that? Yeah. <laughs> why would you well, do that to this this big thing? I, I agree with you. I think that's so far a missed opportunity, but. I think that yeah, as far as I understand the Nova story is that they it's kind of like Highlander. The power is distributed, right? Where like when you, sort of when one dies, the other ones get the powers or something like that. Isn't that, isn't that something like that? I mean, that does happen. Uh, all of the power does eventually get consolidated uh, into the uh, the the hive mind, the world mind. I think it's what it's called. Uh, and uh, Richard Ryder takes that on and becomes Nova Prime. Like that's you know he's the only Nova right core member, so he has like the whole of it. But that's when he's at his most powerful. That's you know he's got the entire force in him basically. Yeah. Um, and it's it's too much power. You know when it's when it's spread out into the Nova core, he's still really freaking powerful. Right. Yeah. I, I I'm my my point is I'm hoping I'm hopeful that they are still going to do something with Nova and Nova Prime and the Nova Core. Uh, and and what I'm really hopeful for, just because I want to see it, is that we'll actually get that scene of Thanos taking down the Nova Core. Uh, because yeah. it it would make a lot of sense if you're making a Nova Prime movie, for instance, to show that scene and show how he survived when no one else did, and how he gets all the powers, and now he's got to go do whatever he's got to go do. Um, yeah, I think that's uh, I think that's coming. I, I, but yeah, I agree. It's a missed opportunity up till now. Um, my next missed opportunity is not bringing any TV folks into Endgame. <laughs> yeah. 
because yeah. like it, it, it was the perfect opportunity. It was absolutely the perfect opportunity in that final fight sequence to have Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, Iron Fist, any shield agents, uh, even have Coulson show up and, uh, you know, did there could have been a great moment of confusion why he's there with one of the Avengers or something, you know, uh, it, it absolutely, what are you doing here? Son of coal, you know, uh, yep. How did you, how did the snap get you back? Um, it's like long story. <laughs> oh, well, you know, things happened. Long story. Six seasons on ABC. <laughs> But, you know, the thing is, like, yeah, you could have had a moment like that where you actually acknowledge them. But there were so many people in that scene who are who we don't even know. So many members of like, you know, the Ravagers and so many members of um, Doctor Strange's fighting force and all the Wakandans. Like, there's a lot of people there we don't know. And so they showed Howard the Duck in the background for for goodness sake. Like you could have had just as brief a glimpse of Daredevil. And where it wouldn't have bothered someone watching the movie, but it would have been a huge nod for people like us who love all this stuff. And they yeah. didn't do it, and I'm kind of mad at it. Yeah, we already got James Darcy in this movie. Like, you gave us the the Edwin Jarvis from Agent Carter. Yeah. Like, from the Agent Carter series. You gave us that. Why not just go that one step farther and and bring us... Daredevil and Luke Cage and the rest of the defenders. Like, yeah. come on. It, it was that, that to me is a huge missed opportunity uh, because it would have been vindication for all of us who followed like 20 seasons of television, you know, like all the seasons <laughs> of Agent shield, all the runaways, all the stuff that we've watched and like, just give us, even if they just done one or two characters, if Luke Cage, because Luke Cage is famous, you know, he's power man. Like if he had just yeah. shown up, through one of those portals and punch somebody, I, it would have been amazing. And they didn't do it. And it's just a missed opportunity. And it would have been the great, it would have been a really great time to, to have those characters show up and then take those series into Disney plus. I mean, mm-hmm. Disney's Disney's got 50, they announced recently, they've got 50 million over 50 million subscribers now subscriptions paid for on Disney plus like come on you've got a great audience it's gonna like it's gonna bring people to it you've you've got this this huge platform for these characters to go on and they're already doing great things there yeah for sure uh, just mm. yep I'm I, I just yeah it's a bummer what's your next one uh my next one would be um it was a perfect opportunity on Titan for Peter Parker to come into contact with the symbiote uh, for him to develop the black suit uh, right there because he's on an alien planet exactly like it was in the comics. He's, you know, in this space where he thinks he's not, you know, maybe he's not as powerful as he wants to be and, and needs some more, you know, needs a little more juice, whatever he could bring that back from Titan and be black suit Spider-Man getting all depressed over Tony Stark being dead for six months and, you know, and progressively getting more and more dark to the point to where he does actually kill Mysterio. And that's the moment where he's like, Oh crap, this, this suit is probably what's doing it. 
you know, this is this is driving me. It's whispering mm. to me to do bad things. That actually, I, I I like that a lot as a like. What if you know when J. Jonah Jameson tells uh, tells that Peter Parker killed uh, Mysterio? What if that's like true? You know, we have to contend with the fact that he's on the run, but it's totally legitimate. You know what I mean? Yep. Like Craven is hunting him, and he is actually the guy that went and killed Mysterio. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that a lot. That's a that is a good missed opportunity, and I think to expand that a little more, I think the big missed opportunity you're seeing there it's another rights issue, which you know you, we can't always they can't always control where the rights are because they sold a lot of them in the '90s when they were broke. But when they made a deal for Spider-Man, they should have made a deal for the entire Spider-Man oeuvre, not just Spider-Man. Yeah, that's that's the problem here, because the reason they can't do the black suit Spider-Man is because Sony made a deal to put Spider-Man in their movies and made a deal to put Iron Man in their movies. And they didn't uh, encompass Venom in that deal. So, you know, that's the problem there. They should have made that deal. And that's that that's because all these things are doing with this little Sony verse of Spider-Man characters. It's like, uh, again, is it going to tip the balance? Is it going to, is this, is the Spider-Man stuff going to be good enough to balance out the stuff from Venom and possibly Morbius? And if these are bad movies, are we going to have to contend with the fact that, Oh, now Spider-Man's crossing over. You're, you're getting chocolate in my peanut butter and it's, but it's like dark (laughs) chocolate. It's all bitter, you know, (laughs) or white chocolate, even worse. Oh, that's not, not even real chocolate, not even chocolate. (laughs) Um. (laughs) yep 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 i actually personally i like the dark chocolate reese's you know it's it's a nice little the balance of sweetness of the peanut butter with the bitterness of the dark chocolate is really good but i see what you're saying yeah i just i i just said you got my chocolate and my peanut butter and i was like well that's a good thing how can i twist this (laughs) (laughs) no that was good we like that how do we make it bad? One of my biggest missed opportunities for me is the Agent Carter series. Um, yeah. And I, I, I really like the Agent Carter series. Don't get me wrong. I really do. I think it, what they did is wonderful, but they, I think they were trying to have a long game instead of uh, putting it all on the field. You know, they could have had an Agent Carter series that started where that short left off and she's actually starting S.H.I.E.L.D. Instead of it being a story of her overcoming, you know, the adversity and everything, just make it the beginning of S.H.I.E.L.D. You know, she could still have, you know, people not she could still have her like underlings at S.H.I.E.L.D. not trust her and like have to earn their trust and still fight for to be a, you know, female icon and everything without having to start over as in the SS and SSR agent. Um, and I really just, they, they could have done really cool things. They could have jumped four decades. It could have crossed over with Ant-Man and Hank Pym. Um, they could have um, had winter soldier sprinkled through places of, of shield and like these whispers. She could have contended with winter soldier at some point. Uh, they could have uh, unveiled Hydra taking over Shield under her nose. Of course, it wouldn't have, oh, man. wouldn't have ever been known to her. But like, you could have, yeah. you could have done a lot of stuff with Hydra. Like, 
you, you could have had that classic like villain layer kind of storyline going throughout where like Hydra's actively working against her to bring about things. And she's, she's stopping them, but she just doesn't know where the bad is coming from. And, but we do, you know, and that could have all coincided with those different movies as they came out. And, and they just, you know, they, they kind of whiffed it by making it try to be, make it proto shield, which I think their plan was probably to do like, you know, a seven season show and eventually get there. But because they kind of started it slow, they didn't, I think when you're making a show, you're making a season one of a show, you gotta tell a story that is captivating from the beginning and give us what we want from that show. Don't give us the like proto version of that show. Um, most recently Watchmen. Watchmen is a great show. Uh, and they left it all on the field. Damon Lindelof says he's, it, he like did not hold back any ideas that he had. He, he, he told everything right there. The show is better for it. Yeah. We know that, uh, that Arnim Zola went and joined shield, uh, you know, per the events of, of cap two, the winter soldier. I think that having Zola show up and, and having, uh, Peggy dealing with him showing up and having to, to like fight against the the people who were in charge and like voice her opinion of like no this guy's a bad guy Steve fought against this guy this guy is a bad bad person to bring on board like we cannot have him show up and then oh but the results speak for themselves you know he's done such great work on on this bomb and and this thing and yeah. you know he invented that thing so obviously he's good it's like no that's just it's him manipulating you. Don't let it be this way. And how cool would it have been to see him actually turning shield agents into Hydra agents under her nose? Like, like, like take some of those guys that are, um, that are pushing back on her for being a woman and like not wanting to work for her. And she's dead. Like, what if he, you could see the slow turn of one of those guys into a Hydra agent who's actively working against shield. Um, yeah. Or even better, a character who you really like from the beginning, but you start to he starts to lose trust in Shield or lose trust in America or whatever, and starts to go for Hydra, lose trust in freedom. It, like that, that's a, that's a great story to tell. That's the whole thing about Hydra is they're they're they are mustache twirlers in a way, and that's kind of why they're uninteresting. But when they're at their best, and and what they are in Winter Soldier, uh, they're not trying to destroy everyone they just believe that free will is um not good for people like they think that people make bad decisions and and you know they want to control everyone and they they want absolute control and that's a that can be a fascinating thing like you could see a a character watching people make their own bad decisions you know, and then slowly be like, oh, if I could only control them. And then Arnim Zola, like putting his arm around him. Yeah, we should. We should do a better job of controlling these people. You know, like you can absolutely see a great storyline there. And instead yeah. we got, you know, Proto Shield. It was fun. It's a good it's a good show, but it's it did not live up to the promise that it made. So that's my missed opportunity there. That's fair. That's fair. And oh man, if Arnim Zola, while he's turning people, is also like trying to build a way for him to to continue to live on as a uh, as an AI, uh, you know, to to build himself into yeah, a, a robot. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Like, you know, he could be just developing little pieces of stuff here and there that helps overall, but also is a part of his design to to put himself into a, an AI form. 
That would be so good. It'd be so great as uh, like if they, I, I can't remember the timeline, honestly, uh, of when, when, which of those movies came out and when, but like how cool would it have been if we had seen Arnim Zola working, working, not necessarily creating Hydra. Like, well, I guess it was after it was, yeah, this was all after never mind Cause this was, cause agent Carter came out cause this is all in that uh, winter soldier happened in season one of shield and I forget, but yep. it, like, um, I think agent Carter was like season two or so. So never mind. I was just thinking how cool yeah. it'd be if you like knew Arnim Zola and maybe like you even thought he had turned over a new leaf. And then, oh, man. and then they do the same thing they did with turn, turn, turn. But after, oh. after that, you find out that like he's actually working against them, you know? And, and then that, then, it, then he really takes the villain turn, man. I'm, I'm enjoying this idea. Uh, what's your next this time? This opportunity? <laughs> oh man. I'm, I'm torn between which one I want to say more. Um, but I, I will, I'll go ahead and, and throw out a, uh, a killing a villain. Um, killing Killmonger yeah. was a, a bad thing like he had he won the moral argument it was the he was the 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 one villain so far that has won the moral argument the the discussion of you know should wakanda be back in the world and actually helping like wakanda's not doing enough you can't just sponsor the olympics and put a starbucks in and say that that's good enough like you have to do you have to do things to to be you know, a part of society and, and be productive and, and be a contributing member. Mm. Like he had it, he had it right. He just had the wrong way to go about it. So having him just die at the end of it, it wasn't, it wasn't any good. You know, it was a bad thing to do. Yeah, you lost this, you lost this, this possible future contention of like, yeah, it's great that Wakanda's is doing things, but it could be so much more. And like, you know, having him maybe sow the seeds of doubt in Wakanda or, you know, anything. He could have done so much more. He was so good. And Michael B. Jordan's such a great actor. Ah, just pissed it all away. Damn it. Yeah. Mm. Yep, I agree. I just think he's such a great character and such a great actor that they should have kept him around. Um, and now we're always talking about not letting or letting death matter. And I do think they it, now that he's dead, they probably shouldn't bring him back. Although there are ways they could, and I am I don't know. I'm not totally off off of that. <laughs> I just love to see him again. He's just such a <laughs> compelling character. My my next one is similar um, to that, and it's the one character who one villain who they have let persist through all these movies, and that's Loki. And my, and especially with the new show, I have a feeling that they're going to push it even further in this direction. Uh, my missed opportunity is not letting Loki be bad. You mean always trying to redeem him in some way? Yes. And, and, and a lot of times they, it turns out to be a trick or whatever. But like in the first Avengers movie, he throws down an innocent man and rips his eyeball out. Like yeah, he, he, was, he was a villain. And then ever since then, he they've softened him and softened him and softened him. And the reason they did that is because Loki is a very popular character and people like the actor and people like the character and people love cosplaying at him. So they want to make him and and it's not just that it's not just a marketing thing. It's also the actor is so charming. But yeah. I would love to see all that charm and charisma and fun and like 
people will still wear cosplay of the Joker. You know, the Joker's not a good guy. He still does horrible things, but people love him. I think they've kind of softened Loki. And I think with this new show, him being the protagonist, they're probably going to continue to soften Loki. And I think that there was a way they could have, just like Fisk, for instance. Fisk is compelling. He's charismatic. He's interesting to watch. Um, I really love uh, the character of Fisk. But he is a bad guy. He does bad yeah. things. And he has he has his reasons for doing them, but they're bad. And I want I want Loki to do bad things. Uh and, and you know, it's just it's a missed opportunity. I, I like what they've done too. I've enjoyed the brother storyline. And it kind of ties into another one that was in my um honorable mentions that I wasn't gonna make one of my top five, but I'll throw it in here. Um letting Odin's death matter. And the revelations of Odin's misdeeds matter. Um, I think there's a way to tie these two together in that Loki killed Odin, you know? Yeah. It was Loki's fault that Odin wasn't where he needed to be. And, you know, maybe he would have died anyway, but he would have died in his home. He would have had time to prepare for Hela. He maybe could have told Thor about what was going on. But it's Loki's fault, that Odin wasn't where he needed to be. It's Loki's fault that a lot of Asgardians died, you know, and they never really let, because Ragnarok is such a fun movie. They never let us have the weight of Odin's death. They never let us have even really the weight of all the Asgardians dying. Um, It just kind of keeps going. It keeps fun, fast paced movie. Um, And I, I'm, I wish that Loki really had to contend, like that Thor had to contend with the fact that he loves his brother, but his brother is bad. His brother is doing bad things. And his brother, I mean, for a second, for like a millisecond in Ragnarok, he gets mad at his brother when, when Odin dies. And then it's just, uh, it's just gone. Cause hell is there. It just moves yeah. on. Like we have to put this aside because we have to deal with this now. Yeah. And, and it just, I really wish that, and even even when they come to the resolution at the at the end of the movie, and he shocks Loki and leaves him there flop, flopping like a fish, um, he just has this idea that like you're a trickster, Loki. And I know, I know that's his character. I know he's the trickster god, but he's also a bad guy. He also does bad bad things, and I don't think he's really done that in a in a long time in the movies. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, the the person that I would put him closest to as far as like uh charismatic actor and just a bad guy doing bad things uh would be uh what i've heard of as the interpretation of black mask in the birds of prey movie Mm. you you just haven't seen that right i haven't by the way must say i loved it i think birds (laughs) of prey is great so Ewan McGregor apparently just completely dominated that movie as far as charm. Huh. I don't feel that way, but okay. Okay. Well, I mean, as far as a villain is, is, has been displayed, he was great. Uh, from what I hear, I like him in general and he's great in that movie. But, uh, I, I think that Margot Robbie finally found her voice as Harley Quinn. Okay. Um, it's well, very, it's almost very Deadpoolish type thing. Anyway, yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. As as someone who still hasn't seen it, and just you know, from what I hear on the internet, what I read on the internet, which may or may not be accurate, Ewan McGregor did a phenomenal job there, but was outright just a really bad guy. Yeah. So 
having somebody be super charismatic and be such a bad guy, uh, much the way that you said that, you know, when, when Loki throws that innocent guy on the table and like jams the thing into his eye and, um, the 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 smirk that he has on his face when he's causing all of that chaos like that's the that's the kind of thing that i see him doing all the time in comics like yeah he's a bit of a schemer he's got some plans and everything he's working he's pulling strings in the background but when he does get to get his hands dirty he freaking loves it mhm so getting away from that for the for the character of Loki, it, yeah, it is a bit of a missed opportunity. Yeah, it, my my last point on that is if I have to contend with the fact that Star Lord did such a bad thing, like let mm. freaking Loki do some bad things. <laughs> Star Lord <laughs> basically, and and like they let us sit with the fact that Star Lord basically caused half the world's population to disappear. You know, like that Universe. was a big deal, and it was Star Lord's fault. Like, there's a lot of people who saw that, and we all see that. Hey, Star Lord did that. I feel like they don't let any of that blame rest with Loki when he does bad things, and I and I don't get it. I don't, I don't know. I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like it. What's your What's your number five? Your last uh, one. My last one is also related to Thor. It's rushing Jane and Thor's relationship. Yeah. It was, yeah, it, as, we've, as, as we've said a lot, like in that first movie, it made not really much sense for them to just kind of have one moment on the roof and then be like, oh, I'm in love with her. Like, it, it felt, felt hurried. Yeah. And if, if that had been... If that had been maybe a, a reason for Thor to, you know, fall in love with humanity or take some moments to, to really understand why the people of Midgard are worth protecting and, and worth, you know, being on Midgard to experience things with and not have not just like rush straight to relationship with Jane. Like if if it was more for him you know he's sad because he doesn't get to experience midgard anymore you know when the bifrost is is destroyed like that makes more sense yeah. rather than it just being like a eh, random relationship he wanted to get some he wants to go back and get some he had more of a relationship with the older scientist in that first movie than he did with jane like you really did. right <laughs> they really connect and then and then, yeah, he's just sad because Jane's pretty, I guess. And I just don't buy it from the God of Thunder who has, like, traveled the universe. Uh, it just For didn't make Thousands of years old. Yeah, just didn't buy it at all. Agree with you. I agree with you completely. Okay, well, that's our five. I sh- No, wait, I didn't say my fifth. You didn't <laughs> say yours. I started this thing. That's right. Okay, my fifth. Um, I maybe should have saved this for last. It's definitely not the most uh, impactful of these, but... Uh, not showing us Cap taking back the Soul Stone. I, and they maybe they will in the future. Maybe we'll get to see that scene at some point. But it's just such a funny thing that him him getting to see his old friend Red Skull again. <laughs> like I want I want that real bad. Well, that's the thing though. Like that that has potential to be funny, but it also has potential to be incredibly sad because we didn't get any sort of real funeral for Nat. And Nat's body is just laying there. <laughs> Mm. And he's supposed to he's supposed to take the stones back to the exact moment when they left. So what yeah, you've got right. what you've got there is a still warm Natasha Romanov at the bottom of this cliff. Or him actually having to watch her fall and not being able to save her. 
Oh God, you that know, would be knowing, so just knowing that crushing. he can't save her, having to watch that happen. Yeah, Ugh, that's rough. And then also having to deal with the Red Skull being the guy to do it. Like, oh my God, do you, how how much do you think you would actually believe Red Skull was like? No, no, I didn't. You know, I'm just I say what the stone tells me to say. Like, it wasn't my idea that he has to throw her off the cliff. Mm. Like. Yeah. You have to lose that which you love. He could have probably taken out his favorite Pez dispenser and tossed it off the edge. I, you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. No, I, I agree. I think there's there's more to be done there. Um, and I would love to see him interact with Red Skull again. And honestly, that's actually one of one of my honorable mentions was just the return of Red Skull at all. I just I love that actor. And I think he was underused in the first Captain America. Um, and then, you know, they, they changed out the actor, but also you could make that actor anybody in these movies, you know, cause he's, cause yeah. of the way his face, as they did in Endgame. Uh, I just, I, I wanted more Red Skull. I think there's more story to tell there and, and I guess we won't get it because it, instead they decided to make him sort of this cautionary tale about uh, what you care about and stuff like that. He really just showed up at the, uh, at the, the, the Soul Stone with nothing to throw off the edge. I, I mean, yeah. if anything, it's really just like keep what you love in your pockets. <laughs> just in case you get thrown across the universe and need to get a soul stone. You I know? Just, the, it really is. The, the lesson is just like have something that you love. You know what I mean? Like a, yeah. that's the thing with him. He <laughs> love something. Love something. Like he, it, it's not even that it's a lesson. It's this his, his cruel fate is that he, his only desire was to get these things. And then he got there and had nothing that he could trade for it because he doesn't yeah. love. And it's love such something. A, it's such a beautiful thing, but I just, Wish there could have been more Red Skull at some point. Love something and keep it in your pockets. <laughs> that's that's the that's right. the lesson. New MCU cast T-shirt. Love something and keep it in your pockets. You never know what you'll have to throw over a mountain to achieve. <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh, well, yep. that's that's our five each. Uh, you do you want to hear my other short list? I, we we don't need to discuss each one. I know because we'll go. We've already gone an hour. Um, but you know, what do you 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 want to hear these? Or you should we just move on to our little bit of feedback? I'm I'm a little bit scared that if I hear them, I'm gonna want to go on a a tirade about something. I think most of these you can probably just say agreed, and you, you're mostly gonna agree with me. <laughs> I think okay, we've probably okay. had all these tirades before, but. I know, I know we have, but he, he asked for our missed opportunities and I just wanted to throw out as many as I could. And I sat down to write, I was like, wow, I have feelings about this. Um, <laughs> not having Michael Pena explain the MCU before. Any oh hour, man. Before ah, agreed. Hour. Yep. There you go. That's, that's a hundred percent on that one. Uh, inhumans. That's the missed opportunity. Um, number that three, whole series, <laughs> iron fist. <laughs> Oh, missed man. opportunity, just a missed opportunity. Okay. Not saying mm-hmm. it doesn't have some good shining points, but it's a big missed opportunity. Um, not bringing back Blonsky, especially the actor play, who played uh, Blonsky. Mm. I yeah. just really love Tim Roth and I want to see him in more stuff. And I really he he's the only thing good about that movie in my mind, or like he's the well, best thing about that movie in my mind. You know, like just not doing another Hulk movie has yeah. been kind of a missed opportunity you know you've got you've got samuel stearns as the leader in Uh some capacity you know his his noggin was bubbling 
Yep. A lot of their missed opportunities that I'm, I'm, I'm getting to while we're doing this, a lot of them just relate to like business decisions by Marvel. And that's a bummer that so much of the, they've done such a great job with the stuff they've done, but so much of the good stuff that's missing is because they couldn't do it because of some rights issue. And this being that they don't have the distribution rights to the Hulk movies. So they have, don't make as much money. So they just haven't made it. And uh, that's a bummer. Yeah. Um, shield not sticking with the pods. Yes. Oh my God. Yeah. Mm. They, they, they really found their stride in season four and then they just jumped right back to their old way of storytelling. And I, I think the last two seasons weren't as good for it. Yeah. Oh, um, man, Thanos yeah. connecting to shield or shield connecting to Thanos. That's just a dumb missed opportunity. Yeah. And I don't know how they're going to relate to it. Well, I guess they're not. They've left time now. So I guess they never even experienced the snap. Well, they're back in the 1930s. Yeah, no, I know. Well, no, the the snap should have happened in the year that, or year and a half or whatever it was that they, in the last season, that's right. went over. Unless, Damn it. unless it's the New York thing. We talked about, we talked a lot about this. There's, there's some, there's some ways to make it work, but it's, oh, there's not. it's iffy. It's iffy. Um, okay. Uh, Thor, the dark world using Eccleston poorly. They had, they had a great actor and they just put him behind a big rubber mask and didn't let him do anything. Uh, yeah. Star Lord keeping his powers. Uh, and then maybe they'll do that some with that in the future, but like he's still the like, you know, son of a celestial or whatever. Yeah, but it was it was supposed to be that that power rested with ego, and as long as ego is around, that power is there. Yeah, but that's just the way they wrote it. You know, like, yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's they could have wrote it differently. <laughs> they made, it's a missed opportunity. Um, and they and they still could. They still could like have that reemerge. But I think him having his yeah. powers could be an interesting wrinkle for that character. Um, making Runaways connect to the MCU properly. Mm. That one annoys me. We've talked a lot about it. Uh, Making me care about Captain Marvel, and this is a personal one, but, and, and, and I actually really thought Captain Marvel wasn't a bad movie and that they did interesting stuff with the characterization of Captain Marvel, but they didn't make me care about her. And it's the same old, she didn't feel like she was saving cats, you know, uh, she didn't, I didn't really get to know her in that first Captain Marvel movie and I didn't get to know her in game either. Uh, and so it's just hard to. It's hard for me to really love her without knowing her. And I don't feel like I know her. And she, cause she didn't know herself. And I don't know, you know, it's controversial. <laughs> there's a lot of, a lot of knowing going on in those yeah. statements you're making. There's a lot of, it's a controversial one. I know some people love that character. Um, and last one explaining how Tony got this in back in the suit after Iron Man three sooner, mm. because that was a big point of contention for years for us nerds that were like, why is he blew up the suits? <laughs> like, why is he doing right? it? And then they just finally just threw it in as a, a side in end game or whatever. Uh, it was in civil war. Oh, okay. Where he was like, and then, and then, and then I'm still making suits. Like, but what do you mean? And then, and then, and then like that was a whole character arc. Yeah. And it just felt like they should explain that in Ultron when he just shows up in a suit again. <laughs> In literally the first scene. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Okay. Well, that's all mine. I, I, I Sorry I had 21. I just... <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> so I forgive you. All right. Uh, well, you want to run through these feedbacks real quick? We only got a few. 
Uh, <laughs> sure. Speaking of uh, of Iron Man three not being good, uh, hey, William Colby not, Carter that has nothing to do with what he says right here. <laughs> no, that's exactly what he says. William Colby Carter says at MCU cast listening to the Thor of the Dark World versus Iron Man three debate, and Jeff is so so so. Does he say I'm wrong? I think he says wrong. Say wrong. I think the next word is wow. wrong. The next word is wrong. <laughs> I don't know if I want to keep reading this. Uh, the character development of Tony Stark makes perfect sense, just like Matt said. He died in Avengers. Dead. Anybody could get PTSD from that. He learned he's not invincible. Hmm. Uh, this is the Invincible Iron Man. I, th- uh, I think you may have missed the title. I think William made great points there. Will, will <laughs> Mr. William Colby Carter makes great points that Matt's, wrong, Matt's right and Jeff is wrong. Uh, no, no, no. He said that I'm wrong. He did not say that you're right. <laughs> I think he did. <laughs> did he? Yeah. We'll have to roll the tape back. He says it makes perfect sense, like Matt said. <laughs> no, that doesn't say that Matt's right. I, mm, <laughs> all right, all right. Well, the words aren't there. Right, fine. Uh, well, thank you. Thank you for <laughs> chiming in. Thank you for chiming in. <laughs> Nathaniel Mlanar says... My idea is to end the first episode with a flashback revealing that Cap actually asks Bucky to take the mantle, but he refuses. Could set up some interesting character development. Hashtag Falcon and Winter Soldier. Ooh. I, I think this oh. is a great, great idea. Uh, at least it, yeah. a great possible direction they could go with the arc of the characters. And it would make sense from a, it'd be nice to get Cap in there, as we've said over and over. And it, w- and it would make a lot of sense why... Uh, Winter Soldier didn't even approach him. You know what I mean? Like, he didn't even walk over there. He just, like, pointed at Falcon and said, it's your turn, buddy. You walk over there. Maybe maybe oh. Cap let him know what he was going to do ahead of time or something. Yeah, no, like, he's Cap has existed because, you know, we're in that timeline where Cap, you know, just stuck it out, I guess, through time, watching all these bad things happen. He was like, nah, they got it. Um, what if, while, like, Bucky's in Wakanda... Um, you know, getting his head in the right space. Old man Cap shows up and just like lives out a long time with his buddy there. That and it's like eventually wait. I'm gonna come up and 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 bring you back into a fight. Yes, because Cap took him. Cap took him to Wakanda. And what if he? What if we get like flashbacks throughout the series where Cap uh, takes him to Wakanda, drops him off. And then we get like an entire like best friends living out their best life in the like retirement home of Wakanda uh, <laughs> with like old man Cap just sitting on the porch chatting with his buddy Bucky because they've never really gotten to spend that much time together because they've been frozen or evil. Um, yeah, that's a really great, fun idea. I love that. Yep. Mm. And he wants Bucky to to take the shield, and maybe Bucky does take the shield, but he doesn't do it. He doesn't do it to the level that Cap does, or he doesn't do it as good as Cap probably uh, should or would have. Or he just doesn't trust himself. You know? Yeah, he doesn't trust himself. He doesn't live up to his expectation of what Cap should do or whatever. And he's just like, no, this should go to Sam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love, oh! I love it. I love this. I love this idea. I love the uh, them getting to spend a few years together since they they're they're together to the end of the line. And what if he shows up, you know, and lets him know, hey, Bucky, uh, just let, I think it's get, we're getting close to the end of the line, and I just wanted to come be with you. Oh, I, I I know you need need time to recuperate and work on yourself here, and I just wanted to come be with you and help you do that, and like just their best friends working out his deprogramming together. Oh, God. 
<laughs> Matt, mm-hmm. I'm tearing up. It's so good. Me too, man. Me too. <laughs> and that's that's right. That's right after Peggy dies, right? Or like shortly, shortly after, Pe- shortly before Peggy dies, right? Because she dies in Civil War. No, that's all after. Never mind. <laughs> I was just thinking, like maybe he lived out his life with Peggy, and then right after Peggy died, he went in to be with. Uh, Winter Soldier, but that would mean he spent the last few years of Peggy's life with Winter Soldier, which is a little, a little, a little weird. No, no, it 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 makes sense. Like Peggy dies, and and he loses a little bit of uh, uh, a little bit of direction, a little bit of of reason, and then he's like, no, wait, this is around the time when Civil War happened, and uh, I had to get Bucky to Wakanda. Oh, you're right. You're right. Never mind. I had it backwards. So that's perfect. If she, if he lived in this universe with Peggy, which we still don't know which universe he lived in, he lives it out with Peggy, and then after she passes away, um, he like leaves for Wakanda. Shows up on the doorstep of T'Challa and says, "Hey, man, uh, you don't know this yet, but uh, I'm Cap from the future. Can't tell you much about your future. I watched Back to the Future. I- I've seen that movie." Uh, I get that reference <laughs> and I'm not really allowed to tell you about the future and, and uh, this guy named Thanos, but I'm, I am here to be with my friend. Is that cool? We cool? Oh man, that would be so good. Yeah, that would be so good. I like it. All right. This is a great, this is a great idea. Do it. Marvel. Do it. I know it's too late. Do it. Marvel. Do it. <laughs> no, nah, man, they've got time now. They yeah, push back everything. They got, they got like six months. Actually, do we know it's pushback? Uh, I don't think we've got an official word on that yet. They shut down production, so it's very likely going to be pushed back, but I don't think they've given us a a delay or a release date. So we'll see. We'll see on that. Uh, Joshua Bell said, what are your general thoughts on the movie Captain Marvel? I have heard many people say they didn't like it or that it was terrible, but I actually really enjoy it. And I think it's not only good, but one of the better movies in the MCU. What do y'all think? Uh, I just said some of my thoughts. I actually do think it's a really good movie. I think the character of Captain Marvel is not very well fleshed out because they deliberately don't give her a character. Like she doesn't know who she is as the whole arc, but it's, it's a really interesting way of telling a story instead of most stories start with a character and then move them through challenges. They like move her through challenges as there. She's trying to figure out who she is. And I, I don't know. They did a they did an interesting thing. It's interesting from like a writing perspective, but like I I I find myself not caring about her Carol Danvers as a character. Uh, although I love Sam Jackson that movie, and I even like the actress who plays Carol Danvers. I just don't find myself caring too much about the character yet. I'm hope I, I keep hoping they're gonna make me care about her. <laughs> what do you think about Captain Marvel? What are your thoughts? You know I. I have uh, have some knowledge of Carol Danvers coming into it, so you know I've got some some cemented expectations, so to speak, um, and I, I know a bit about you know knowing a bit about the character helps me to relate to this this on screen character and kind of put some pieces together in in you know the way that I can and things and like the canon characterization for me you know it all makes sense and I I love her uh, it's not my favorite. Um, obviously it's not my favorite mcu movie but it's definitely not horrible it's certainly better than a lot of uh, a lot of other movies that have come out recently i mean i liked it well enough you know yeah it's not as bad as the incredible hulk (laughs) yeah or iron man 3 iron man 3 is so good 
Matcha. <laughs> All right, we got one more piece of feedback. Jonathan Kim said, so after seeing a post about Marvel Netflix characters' rights going back to Marvel Studios within the next year, although I thought they were already part of it, I was wondering with this COVID break if there might be some shuffling in the background to include more of them in the MCU more. I can only hope so. I can only hope so. And yes, supposedly they're part of the MCU, but supposedly there was some sort of rule that uh, between Netflix and Marvel that if they if they canceled the shows, they wouldn't be able to use the characters for two years. So that's that's you know rumor and speculation partially though. So who knows? Who knows yeah. if any of this date stuff is true? But I, I man, I can I really hope that they do this. I hope that they do whatever shuffling they need to do. They've got some time. Uh, not that they can produce anything, but they could be writing and working on making the the MCU better. Uh, going forward and especially now that they have some time to get these characters in there yeah like all of this work can be done digitally it's it's just writing you know get on get on skype get on zoom get on a web conference of some sort talk it out with your writers yeah a lot of shows are doing that already and uh i I can't imagine not doing that in the mcu some yeah i mean come on man we got technology yeah absolutely let's use it Mm mm-hmm All right, guys. Well, that is the MCU cast for today. All right. And as I said at the top, uh, we are going to play the song, the new parody song, Steampunk Douchebag, an ode to Jeff Randall. And if you like the song, please go over to YouTube. You can watch the video and see Jeff in his costume and see the lyrics. Uh, Yeah, this is Steampunk Douchebag by The Garage. Enjoy. An old-timey evil doctor This con will be shook By this fantastic look They all will chant my name And give me the fame I deserve around here Cause I'm just a steampunk douchebag, baby Have you seen this cosplay? The details crazy Have I told you the time Today demanded a picture with me My girlfriend can stitch And I've got the skills to build it unlike my own fits a glowing hammer and lightning chest plate Yeah, they both work I'm not just some jerk Though Matt sometimes tells me I am When I talk of DC Or try to sound like Batman Cause I'm just a
Not all Marvel, though. The Fox stuff is full of bullshit to very different tones. And neither one's comics accurate. I'm not an expert. But when they change things, it hurts. Why do Scott's eyes set things ablaze? And I thought Kitty Pride only phased through walls. For this next part, I'll use a silly voice. It's something I do like I don't have a choice. I'm just a steampunk douchebag, yeah. 